This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Relax, this is Top Up. I'm Charlie Clawson. Uh, I am Will Anderson. Hello, Charlie Clawson. How are you today? Good, good. We seem to have a smooth connection so far. <laughs> oh, I mean, I really feel like that's, you know, celebrating unnecessarily early in this process. Like, it feels to me like that is only tempting fate. I, I don't know if I've ever told you about the time when I was in uh, year 11, year 10 or 11 science class. And we had this mm-hmm. teacher who was... Fair to say, had a volatile. Um, he was a good teacher. Like I, I don't want to unfairly misrepresent him, but you didn't want to get on his bad side because if he cracked it, he was like a proper old school teacher in his punishments and how viciously he cracked it. Like you know, he was a throw. <laughs> he was a throw chalk at people style teacher. He was a yeah. You right. know. He was the sort of teacher you might send into some sort of, if you were rebooting that Michelle Pfeiffer movie and you wanted a male Mm. lead of a guy that you were going to send into some troubled community to turn around (laughs) a group of boys, then uh, this was was your sort of guy. And um, one of his punishments he would do was... Uh, we had like stools because, you know, it's a science lab, you know, so you had those tall stools that you would sit on at school and one of the punishments... Bar stool. Yeah, a bar stool, yeah. yeah. I, I guess we didn't call them bar stools back then, but essentially, <laughs> yeah, it's a bar stool. And uh, his big punishment was that he'd make you hold the bar stool out, like in front of you for like, you know, like two minutes or whatever, which doesn't seem like that long, but it's it's actually really, really painful and really, really heavy. Um, so anyway, he was a personal trainer, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> but I had a teacher, <laughs> I, had a, I had a teacher whose uh, form of punishment, me and a kid were fighting in class. I think it was like year six or something. And so he made us get up in front of the class and we had to apologize to each other in front of the class, but we had to do it in song. <laughs> so what? He, it was like, like in song. So you had to say, so it was like a theater, I'm it was sorry. Like a theater sports game. He was like, I'm going to throw you a song. I'm going to throw you an emotion. You're sorry. Uh, it needs to be in the form of a musical and a duet. It was punishment through humiliation because we had to do it in front of the entire class. And you had to make up this, you had to choose the words and make up the melody for the song as you sang it. And it wasn't just like you did one verse. We had to go back and forth. Like, you know, you had to say, I'm sorry for taking your pencil case. And the other guy said, that's okay, Charlie. And you're like, and then he's like, keep going. You're like, and I hope that we never fight again. <laughs> and that would just go on and on and on and on. And you would be so humiliated that you're like, yeah, right. I'm not going to muck around in this teacher's class anymore. I mean, that is, again, if you were going to reboot it, like, you know, uh, Michelle. Dangerous Minds. A Dangerous Minds style movie. For some reason, I was about to say Despicable Me, but that was not a sequel to Dangerous Minds. 
<laughs> so um, if you were going to reboot it, I love the idea of someone. Oh, you get um, Lynn manuel uh, you know, the Hamilton guy. Miranda, and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Miranda from Sex in the City. You get the Hamilton guy <laughs> and Miranda from Sex in the City and you send them into a high school <laughs> to teach kids about uh, the power of music. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like a dead poet society, but it's like dead uh, improvisational song society. Well, it's funny you should bring up Impro and Theatre Sports, Will, because uh, we put out a call last week uh, to the listeners to send us, send us some, some letters. Content is what we wanted. We're running short on ideas and we need, you guys to, we need you guys to bloody pull your weight, contribute a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't have put it like that, but I appreciate the aggression <laughs> and the way that you've lent into that to our audience. We basically just said you can give us some feedback. Most companies do it, actually, Charlie. I mean, this bottle of water in front of me has a number on the back you can call and leave them some feedback. That be your drinking, I imagine, has a number you can call and leave them feedback. Every Uber ride you ever get into asks for feedback. If you go to a restaurant, you can rate it on the internet. We are in a feedback society. So the idea that we might ask our audience for a little bit of feedback should not have been delivered quite as aggressively as you've delivered <laughs> it. Like, can you imagine? And also eight years after we started our business. You know what I mean? Like, we've been up and running for a really long time. We finally asked for feedback. And the first thing we do is slap the audience down. I mean, admittedly, that is coming from me, who essentially answered emails for seven years with fuck off, it's a free podcast. So I might not be in a position to talk either. Well, we got a lot of people uh, submitting some really good letters. We're not going to get to all of them um, because uh, a lot of them uh, uh, contain links to videos and web pages and Wikipedia pages that we can uh, refer to at a later date. But this one uh, letter did catch my eye, and it's really a letter to you, Will. Oh, okay. Now, I'm... I'm not sure if you remember this name, but this person knows you. It's from Aaron Allen. Okay. No, I can't. No? Like, I don't really Doesn't ring a bell. Aaron Allen, that. I mean, it's a good superhero name. It's got that alliteration that comic book characters normally have. Aaron Allen. Yeah. And the, and the twist is that he's like the Flash, but he's also an alcoholic. So uh, <laughs> AA has a double meaning for him, which is like he can run really fast, but only when he's drunk, but he's trying to give up booze. It's a real, it's yeah. a real mess he's in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to reach super speeds, he has to get really drunk and then be running from the cops. Like he's like pissing in an alleyway or something. And then the cops come. So right. that's when his superpower activates. <laughs> yeah, he has to be absolutely blind drunk. So in any emergency, he essentially has to have a bottle of Jaeger on him at all times. He doesn't have a utility belt. He has a small mini bar that he carries around around his waist in case of emergency. <laughs> okay, so it's quite a long letter, but I, I think it's worth getting into. He starts with, okay. hey, Will, so let's talk about a moment from your teenage years, and we're talking about three words, high school theatre sports. Okay, is that three words? I guess theatre sports is like an amalgamated word. What? Yeah, he amalgamated the words. In, in, in his delivery, it's, it's three words. So some context first. I was driving back from performing at Port Ferry Folk Festival. I'm a mandolin player for hire these days. And in my car, I had someone uh, who I'd met there who I offered to give a lift back to Melbourne. As we were coming into town past the Westgate, your face was on a Triple M billboard and became a point of conversation. She told me that she really liked your comedy and listens to your podcast religiously. I told her that to me, you're that bloke from the grammar school that I used to play theatre sports against. Anything yet? No? 
No, no. I, I, okay. I mean, I think if I knew somebody who was a mandolin player when they were at high school, I would never have forgotten them. So for, uh, at this stage, I'm drawing a blank because I feel like they have a distinctive thing about them. If I was like, hey, remember that guy from the high school who plays the mandolin? I think everybody would know that guy. Dude, his name is Aaron Allen and he plays the mandolin. Like, that is lyrics from a song. Of course you would remember that guy. Exactly. He's that guy that Mumford & Sons wrote a whole album about. In fact, when Aaron Allen's teacher would punish him in school, he would get up with his mandolin and have to sing his apology while playing the mandolin. <laughs> All right, so he thinks of you as the bloke from the grammar school that I used to play theatre sports against. I began to tell her about the inter-school competitions in sale, and she seemed to know an awful lot about such an obscure thing, admitting that Will has talked about this on the podcast. I don't remember this, but I'm... Look... Do you remember us having this conversation well, about youth sports? Here's the thing I will say, Charlie, is that I we've had a lot of conversations in our life, both on the podcast and off of the podcast. And Yeah, uh, it's hard to separate. I mean, I played theatre sports at high school and um, yeah, okay, sure. I'm, I'm guessing that at some stage I've talked about it on the podcast. I'm happy, I'm happy so far to lock in the facts of this, that we're being contacted by some undercover superhero who plays the mandolin by day and solves crimes at night. And uh, the fact that there is a billboard of me in Melbourne, so that checks out in the story. And I yeah. did play high school theatre sports and I did go to the grammar school. So, so far, there's a lot of evidence here to suggest that what is to follow is correct. But let's uh, strap in and say... Fact checked, fact checked, fact checked. So we're doing... This is like this is Mueller-esque investigation. I'm presenting you with the document. And I'm just asking you to corroborate or dismiss certain parts of the letter. But look, by, by the way, I also should say the thing that I say all the time when I'm being interviewed about my own life, which is if you want to know something about my life, I am the worst person to ask because I have a terrible memory, but also I have a memory of reframing things in a way, particularly because <laughs> of my job. And I've noticed this very much with this show I'm writing about the arrest. Like it's gone from in the last four weeks from being you know, my story and me knowing everything about it and thinking all these different moments of are important to being an audience's story, which is a much kind of different story. Still the same story, but you drop out bits that I thought were important that the audience don't and all these sort of things. And then suddenly, mm. if I tell that enough times, that's going to be the story. So in my mind, the yeah. story will be the show. So often I talk about like, you know, when I grew up on the farm and we had a cat called Cricket Bat and we had a dog called Nintendo. I had a joke about that. And I was talking to my parents about it and they're going, you know that like we didn't though, right? And I'm like, did we not? I'm pretty sure we did. And they were like, no, no, no. You've just had a joke about that that you did for too long. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like when we had my mum on the podcast when we did that Christmas bonus. And I was, I have for a long time plied this uh, story of me being like Oliver Twist, you know, the youngest right. of nine children living in this leaky house. And then mum was on, I was like, oh no, Charles had a wonderful upbringing. <laughs> like, it's like completely created my own myth. Like, I mean, maybe from my perspective, there was some, I never had, you had, a, at least you had a, a cat called Nintendo. I didn't even have a Nintendo. Right. But I don't think that we did have a cat called Nintendo. I think I just made that up as part of a joke and then believed it was true. I know I mourned that dead fictional cat. <laughs> All right, back to Aaron Allen. Okay. I began to tell her about the inter-school competitions and sale, and she seemed to know an awful... Oh, that's no, so hang on. So we'll talk about this on the podcast. Yeah. She sent me a couple of links to a, particular to a particular episode, and I had quite a surreal listen. So I want to let you know something. In 1991... All right, 1991... 
Mike Hal, can you just look up what were some key uh, touchstones of 1991? Let's Let's paint a picture of what was going on there so we can get an idea of what music... You know what this is like, Charlie? This is like on those, like when yeah. they're trying to get somebody to remember something for like a criminal case or whatever. They'll give them smells or the sort of noises of the environment because they trigger your memory. We've got to create yeah. an idea of what was going on in the year 1991 so I can sort of regress back to yeah. high school me yeah. and understand that era. Okay, we've got some pop culture information here about... 1991 so what would you have been wearing then like well so 91 how old would you have been uh like 17 well here's what i can tell you it would have been yeah look 16 16 probably i think i was playing from memory theater sports with some guys who were in the year above me at school which means i'm year 11 which means i'm 16 um i probably yeah. could have also just worked that out by the year and the year i was born and doing the maths on that so let's say 17 <laughs> <laughs> based on based on the math 17 depending on what time of the year it was but um okay I, so i i will i'll tell you this i know what i was wearing at school which was a school uniform um but i okay. also know what i was wearing uh when we played the high school theater sports competition because my mum had sewn us some comical style rainbow hammer shorts so you're talking <laughs> the era of your hammer short and she had made yeah. for our theatre sports team a, a, a selection of matching, baggy, rainbow-style, colourful hammer shorts. Okay, well, here are some big musical art, artists of that era, 1991. Amy Grant, Brian Adams. BB and CC Winans. Boys to Men, Brian Adams. CNC Music Factory. Kathy Dennis, Colour Me Bad, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, and on, En Vogue. Any of those on your Walkman? Yeah, definitely. CNC Music Factory. Everybody dance now. Things that make you go, hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like that was a quite a popular. We had a, another teacher who was our accounting teacher who always used to go, hmm. And then that song, <laughs> Things That Make You Go, hmm, came out. And oh, Charlie, the playground erupted with the japes that we made about that song and that teacher. Uh, <laughs> what a time for comedy. Until he threw an eraser at you. <laughs> He was the guy, okay. I've talked about this on the podcast before, but this was the teacher who um, used to, when we were doing our exercises from our books, think we weren't looking, and he would take the lids off the uh, whiteboard markers and he would sniff the whiteboard sniff markers. Them? Oh man, that guy was definitely a junkie. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to tell you the top 10 shows of 1991, yep. and you tell me which ones you would watch. 60 Minutes. Uh, no. Roseanne. Yes. Murphy Brown. Yes. Cheers. Yes. Home Improvement. Well, actually, no, not Cheers, because I remember when I went to uni, I'd never seen Cheers, and I watched every single episode of Cheers, because Channel 9 were playing them every night, and like when you're at uni, you do ridiculous things like that, so I decided to watch every single episode of Cheers, <laughs> but like on regular TV, night after night. Home Improvement? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a Yes. <laughs> designing designing women no nope. full house uh yeah probably murder comma she wrote oh definitely murder she wrote i was a big angela lansbury fan <laughs> major dad nope and coach which one was coach uh craig t nelson i think was craig t craig t nelson i always get that one i always get that one confused with uh, whatever the the burt reynolds sitcom was okay i don't think top i was watching 10 films. at the time but i think that i was um uh, i watched it at some later stage 
Top 10 films. Tell me if you would have watched any of this in 1991. Yeah. Terminator, Terminator 2. Uh, nah. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Nah. Beauty and the Beast. Nah. Silence of the Lambs. Nah. City Slickers. Maybe. Hook. No. The Adams Family. No. <laughs> what the fuck did you do at night? Well, here's what I'm going to tell you from that is, I remember seeing all of those films once I went to university. So obviously I'm from the country and these were the days where I think films took a little while longer to get out to the country. <laughs> yeah, you guys were just get, you, you were just getting the latest Charlie Chaplin film. I, I think the last thing I remember seeing at the movies was like Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> oh, well, that's appropriate. <laughs> all right. Oh, you know, actually there's one more, there's one more thing I want to talk about from 91 before we get back to the letter. Okay. Is... Which of these women are you most likely to have a poster of on your wall? Oh, great. Christine, Christine Applegate. No. <laughs> Candace no. Bergen. Candace Bergen? She's, all right. Linda no. Evangelista. Naomi Campbell? No. Jennifer Connolly? No. Oh, really? I thought that would have been a big yes. Cindy Crawford? No. Rebecca De Mornay? <laughs> no. Julia Louis-Dreyfus? Oh, I didn't watch Seinfeld until I went to uni, but for the sake of saying yes to something, yes. I feel like your time in Hayfield, you were just kept in like stasis. You'd two, go to school, come home. We had two TV networks. One of them was the ABC. We didn't see a lot of stuff. Elvira. Uh, no. Uh, Angie Everhart. No. Jodie Foster. Oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe like a silence poster, the Silence yeah. of the Lambs poster. Yeah, maybe. Hopefully that, hopefully that, not the accused. That would be disturbing. <laughs> yeah, look, I was just really into crime. <laughs> Robin Givens? Uh, no. Rachel Hunter? No. Kathy Island? Don't even know who that is. Oh my God, are you kidding? I even I had a Kathy Island poster. She was like the Sports Illustrated model. It was her and Elle McPherson were like neck and neck for years about who would get the cover. Really? No. Never heard yeah. of her. Tawny Katane. I think she's in a White Snake music video. Okay, no. Jennifer Jason Lee? <laughs> no. Elle McPherson. Yeah, Come maybe. on, you're an Australian. You, yeah, you would have stolen the tag, one of her like bra tags. You would have stolen from a department store and kept it under your, under your mattress. I'm I sure. feel like that's a little bit more an insight into your life than it is in mine. <laughs> you get the Target catalogue. You just flick straight through to the underwear section. You're like, oh, perfect. Boy. Pre, pre-internet porn. <laughs> pre-internet, pre-being able to afford Playboy porn. Madonna. Um... Yeah, maybe. Maybe Madonna. Kate Moss? Yeah, definitely Kate Moss. All right. Okay. I feel like we're getting somewhere. Uh, Priscilla Presley. Come on. She's not on anyone's fucking wall. I thought wall. you were about to say Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. So I guess it's a different direction. No, not Priscilla Presley. Princess Diana. Oh, no. And if even if I had, I would just tell you no. But also no. <laughs> Claudia Schiffer. Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe Claudia Schiffer. Uh, I'm putting together. I'm just writing notes under the. Uh, uh, you can't see, but under the table, I'm just writing notes. My psychological profile. Stephanie Seymour. Uh, no. Sharon Stone. Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe Sharon Stone. 
or a movie poster with Sharon Stone on it, I'm sure. Heather Thomas. Who is that? I'm going to say no just because I, I don't know who she is. Chrissy Turlington? Eh, maybe. And Vanessa Williams? No, no, not Vanessa Williams. <laughs> All right. So I think we've constructed a fairly accurate view of what you're, you'd look like in 91. Uh -huh. You're not watching any TV or seeing any movies. You're wearing your theatre sports pants. Um, and you maybe have a poster of Claudia Schiffer or Kate Moss on your wall. Yeah, okay. I'm happy with that. <laughs> okay. So the year is 1991. Boys to men are ruling the charts. Yeah. The, we haven't yet come to the end of the road. <laughs> This is 1991, which was mine and probably your final year of school. Yeah. Uh, there was an inter-school comp at St. Pat's Hall in Sale. Sounding familiar? Checks out? Yeah, it can't have been my last year at school because we played with some older boys, but um, it's got to be year 11 at school. But So 91 might not be the right year. I'm, I'm a bit sceptical about the idea that it was 1991. Might have been. Okay. Your team, formerly Over the Top, were now known as... No, no idea. Monolithic Epicureanism. Monolithic Epicureanism. Yeah. Is that, what does that mean? Uh, I have no idea. What's okay. Epicureanism? Well, if they said it formally over the top, I don't actually... So, here's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up now. Monolithic uh, Epicureanism. Yeah. So, the first thing I'm going to tell you is that I have... Um, absolutely no, no shame absolutely no memory of this so yeah. um, I remember playing in a team called Over the Top uh, Mike Hell's got it oh okay what is it Epicurean uh, oh, I just lost it it was there okay here we go oh okay so Epicureanism an ancient school of philosophy founded in Athens by Epicurus the school rejected determinism and advance and advocated hedonism so we were about uh, hedonism, but also monolithic. So I guess it was meant to be about the juxtaposition of two competing ideas. You can't hear this right now, everyone, but I'm shaking my head. You little turds. <laughs> like precocious little turds. So the first thing I'm going to say is, honest, to set the scene, I remember over the top. I remember uh, us competing as over the top, but this is why the year of this has been bothering me because I'm a, I assume that I'm about to learn about another time in my life that I have absolutely no me memory of, which is the year after over the top where the two guys who are in the older year have moved on. So the year would be 1991. I'm, I am in year 12, but apparently we formed another theatre sports team with some other people. And what I've got to tell ah. you about that, Charlie, is I have absolutely no memory of this ever <laughs> happening. And this now I'm fucking all in. Up until this point, I was like, oh, yeah, someone else has got a perspective on something that a story that I've already told on the podcast. But you are literally about to read me something that I probably am going to be learning about at the same time as the audience <laughs> is learning about, which is both exciting and terrifying. All right, let's dive back in, shall we? Your team, formerly over the top, now monolithic Epicureanism, and I had finally risen through the ranks of, a sh of shitty sale Catholic college teams from the previous years to captain our re representative squads. Does that ring true? You're a captain? 
Uh, I mean, sure. Why not? <laughs> and you guys were the champions to beat. Uh-huh. After, an, after an evening of games, the field had been eliminated down to you guys and us. Your team played first. Bringing the house down with a freaking tight three minutes and scoring high with the judges, requiring us to play a stellar last game. So in the spirit of all great kind of sport movies or, you know, music films, Eight Mile or whatever, it's a big showdown at the end. You're the Cobra Kai. This right. dude is scrappy, scrappy little uh, Daniel son. Tr- yeah. just, trying to, just trying to compete with the big boys. This, motherfu- this motherfucker is the Mighty Ducks. And I'm... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. And you're the bad guy. I yeah. imagine, like, I imagine while this is going on, like, you and all your your theatre sports dudes are strutting around like, and after you do your little act, you're high-fiving each other and stuff and like really chest out, just like peacocking back and forth, waiting for these, these guys to get up. They're probably all wearing, they don't even have like school uniforms. They're probably like mismatched outfits. One kid's really overweight. One of them's got like really thick glasses. There's a girl on the team. They're, they're, they're a ragtag bunch of misfits. That's how I'm imagining this. Yeah, and also like look at the, uh, the if you were doing the movie of this, it's perfect because we were the ragtag bunch. We were over the top. But now we've gone mm. all fucking and we think we're too smart for our own good. We're called monolithic <laughs> Epicureanism, for fuck's sake. You know, yeah, where the really? be. And this, you know, poor kid who, you know, has felt cheated over the years. He's finally the captain of his high school theatre sports team. You know, he's like, he's been mocked all through high school for his interest in the mandolin. And now finally, his other love, improvisation, uh, has brought him to the top. He's got some new uh, theatre sports coach who's been uh, appointed by a judge because he had a drink driving uh, qualification <laughs> and he got sentenced to coach a high school theatre sports team. They bonded over the fact that his initials are AA and this guy had been sent to AA. It's a beautiful story. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it was a misunderstanding. This, uh, this coach got sent to AA, but instead of going to Alcoholics Anonymous, he just right. turned up at Aaron's house. <laughs> <laughs> Happens all the time. Okay, so Aaron continues. Our turn was up, and I remember we were nominated by the compare to play a rhyming game, something I was terrible at, and the first minute showed as I stumbled from one shitty non-rhyme to the next. Well, Charlie... So that's awesome. Th- uh, this is what I'm going to say about that, is that's not a fucking theatre sports game. That is, as you have already explained, a high school punishment. They've got to the final <laughs> round... And they've been given this. If you're making the movie about this, you'd have them being taught by the teacher who shamed people into singing and rhyming. And then in the final moment of this theatre sports game, uh, yeah. he'd be shamed wax into on. doing the thing that it, you know, it so embarrassed him up to it, this point. It's the wax on, wax off of yeah. theatre sports. Yeah, like absolutely. when he was being punished by his teacher, he didn't realise why he was being made to do this rhyming game. But this teacher was trying to prepare him for a greater battle yet to come. Yeah, it's Karate Kid meets 8 Mile, but with theatre yeah. sports. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the worst movie ever. As I stumbled from one shitty non I can imagine next. that at the pitch meeting. You're like, it's Karate Kid, and the executives are like, oh, this is good, we like the yes. Karate Kid franchise. Go on, go on. Meets 8 Mile, and then suddenly they're up in yes, there. Yes, 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 yes. Set in the world of competitive yes. theatre sports. Have this man killed. <laughs> this man killed. When the trap, that's when the trap, trap door just opens up. 
As I stumbled from one shitty non-rhyme to the next, the audience was audibly shifting uncomfortably. <laughs> now, oh, no. Now, what, like, that's the, 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 word, the words he chose to use are very important here because he's saying the audience audibly shifted uncomfortably. It's not that they were talking or sniggering. He could hear them moving in their chairs. It was that awkward. It was making people squirm. <laughs> the audience shifting uncomfortably. I took the whole team down with me. It was a disaster. The longest three minutes of my teenage years. It came time for the judges' score. We won. 12 to 15. Somehow we won. Our teams came together to shake hands. And you said to me, and I'll never forget, I can't believe you guys got a 12 for that. (laughs) He goes on. Always telling it like it is, Charlie, even if I don't remember (laughs) it. (laughs) He goes on. You say, I can't believe you got a 12 for that. He goes, By me the neither, way, dude. I, I should point out me at this neither. point that it doesn't surprise me that we lost this because there was a state final involved the year before that we had been to. And uh, when I told the original story, we had a very similar moment where we got a game that we were no good at and froze at the state final. We had to play this thing called scene without a question where you have to do a normal mm. scene, but you're just not allowed to ask any questions. And uh, I think the first two things we said is, what is that? And the next person said, can I lick it? <laughs> So uh, I think I think three of us were eliminated in the first like minute of a three minute game. So this poor guy essentially had to do an entire monologue by himself without asking a question. So I understand the idea that theatre sports is a cruel mistress, but I also remember not going to the state final again. So the idea that we lost this thing I can't remember uh, certainly doesn't surprise me. But I feel like there's more to this story, Charlie. Our teams came together to shake hands and you said to me, and I'll never forget, I can't believe you guys got a 12 for that. Me neither, dude. As the crowd cleared, I approached the judges and I asked them about the final score, admitting to them that we didn't deserve it. The celebrity judge said, oh yeah, sure. They were great, but in the end, you guys were the best team overall all night, so ultimately we decided you're going to Melbourne, no matter how the last game went. The night was rigged for us to win in the end. It should have been yours. How do you feel about that, Will? Wow. I mean, <laughs> okay. This is, okay, firstly, this is actually blowing my mind a little bit because <laughs> I, I had no memory of this. And now, like, it, this is weird because this is like, I've been very lucky in my life and I don't feel like a you know great amount of injustices have been done to me. Um, and I've just found out that one was. I was, I was... Mm. An injustice has been done to me and and my uh, high school theatre sports team uh, monolithic Epicureanism. But at the same time, mm. you know, that path brought me to where I am now, Charlie. And what if, what if we had gone to that state final as monolithic Epicureanism and perhaps, you know, with the experience we'd had from the previous year, you know, stepped up to a higher level of uh, monolithic Epicureanism and perhaps we'd maybe even won the state final of monolithic epicureanism well you know what we would have done then we would have gone let's go on hey hey it's saturday we should do red faces as monolithic epicureanism and then we'd be like Mm. you know we'd be in this group that like that we met at high school and suddenly like we're professional improvisers i mean that's not a path Mm. that i wanted to pursue with my life charlie (laughs) especially if you went into red faces doing blackface yeah (laughs) yeah yeah that was our our, that was our that was your closer (laughs) 
The Jackson Drive. Yeah, we're like, uh, hi, we're our monolithic Epicureanism, and uh, for us, every week is book week. (laughs) (laughs) That's an obscure joke, by the way. I should explain to any of our listeners who don't understand that reference. It's one of my favorite references because every year in Australia... They have this thing called Book Week where at school, like kids go dressed as like one of their favorite characters from a book. It's a really good idea. And every year uh, without it fail, it is ruined by some parent sending their kid to school in blackface and not understanding why they shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> that's not, I don't think that's an Australian phenomenon. Don't they have like Book Week all over the world? I'm sure I've seen like stories like that happening over here with like kids going to school in kimonos and stuff like that. Well, I hope so. I hope that that horrible, uh, you know, cultural appropriation slash casual racism is something that is not uniquely Australian. But, but how do you frame it? Like, it, you will you will have kids watching cartoons or whatever where there is a character from a different ethnicity that they want to be, and you know, maybe you buy them that costume for that character, like. If it's say, for instance, I used to love playing monkey magic as a kid. If I, you yeah. know, had been able to get a monkey magic costume, I would have definitely gone to school as monkey magic one day. But I'm not. I can understand, you know, where the cultural sensitivities lay around that. But if the kid is celebrating the character and not the ethnicity or whatever it is, isn't that something that can be? I mean, Blackface is different. I understand there's a much richer cultural history, but something like where it's a superhero costume or whatever that is, or like, you know, what's that um, that Disney movie that came out that The Rock voice, Moana? Yeah. There was an issue with a kid. I get that. Yeah, like, I mean, because firstly, like blackface I think is different because there is just such a history of being blackface being used as a subjugating tool for, you know, for, mm. for black people. And I think that, Obviously, there are different sensitivities, but in the same way as like, you know, there was a period where hipsters would wear like a Native American headdress to Coachella or whatever until people were like, Mm. you know what, that's not cool. Don't do that. I think like, you know, going to like you could go to school as Black Panther if you're a white kid in the Black Panther costume, but just don't black up your face. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where it lies, right? Because the costume and stuff... It's the it's the character that the yeah. kid is identifying with. Their it's skin not the color culture. is not part of their costume. Exactly, exactly. Okay, two white guys solved it. There you go. Yeah, so when I <laughs> so when I send my kid to school, as all four characters from Monkey, you can't get mad at me. <laughs> I mean, they have recast that new Monkey. Have you seen the the new Monkey reboot? I haven't and it's seen sort it. Of, I've seen the pictures, but I haven't seen it. It's not as Asian as the original series. Like, I think the lead guy is Thai or something, but for something that's based on a Chinese myth, I think even, like, Sandy is a white woman. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about that. That, that to me, is like, that, that, that seems like whitewashing. <laughs> like, yeah. surely there are a bunch of young Asian actors. I mean, there's a billion people in China. Surely there's some actors you could have cast in those roles. For Chinese I would, like to, I would like to think that Sandy is the origin story for uh, Greece. Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say AFL commentator Sandy Roberts. Oh, either. Wrong podcast. <laughs> Save that nonsense for our other podcast. Two Guys, One Cup. First episode of the season out now. It goes for two hours. We get a lot of the coaches and players' names wrong. Oh, it was stunning. Like You sent out a tweet today which made me laugh so much. It's like... Come listen to a podcast where we pick 12 teams for the final eight and six for the top four. Right. Somebody, well, that's because somebody sent me those stats. 
They said, based yeah. on your statistics, you guys said that 12 <laughs> of the teams would make the final eight, and you said that six of them would make the final four. It's a very optimistic podcast, guys. Even if you don't like football, uh, you can listen in to how stupid we are. I should just say that uh, AA signed off his email. The last, the footnote to this whole story was the celebrity judge Oh, was... hang on. Oh, 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 oh. Are you serious? Oh, you know is, this one. Is he about to name the celebrity judge? Yeah. So he's going to name I think the you'd... person that like yeah. stitched me up. This person who should have well, been my mortal enemy for the last uh, t- you know, 26 years, who I've not known had it in for me. Some celebrity. <laughs> I didn't know that there's some celebrity out there who had it in for teenage me. Well, what's the statute of limitations on a crime like this? Like, theatre sports is a regulated competition in Australia. So, presumably, there is like <clears throat> a court of arbitration over dispute. It is a competition after all. Do you think it's, I mean, with this evidence, if we could get AA to testify, do you think we could yeah. approach Theatre Sports Australia and say, look, there was a great injustice in 1991 when monolithic wankerism uh, <laughs> weren't awarded the, the prize? When clearly this judge said that they were, the, they, they were best on the night. Well, I think it's got to be like the Olympics, right? It's got to be like one of those things where, you know, when the, they find out later that there's been drug cheats or whatever, that the medal goes to the next person who wasn't a, a drug cheat. Now, I'm obviously not... Right. I'm not uh, suggesting that our uh, dear letter writer, you know, who seems like a, a whistleblower, he feels like this was something <laughs> for him to get off his chest, that he wants to, to get it out there. There's been a sadness in his mandolin playing yeah. that can now go away. <laughs> because... <laughs> the melancholy mandolin player. <laughs> because he's been living with I mean, he can't, his shoulders. Aaron just can't get away from alliteration. He's AA and he's the melancholy mandolin player. So, um, okay, I want to know, definitely. um, I don't want to count back. I don't want to go back there, although I do love the idea of demanding that they have to recreate (laughs) the state final. Like, but with all the people who were, like, they they gather. We have to go and find everybody. This would be the sort of thing that Dave Gorman... Uh, would do an entire show about this. This Dave Gorman is this brilliant uh, UK comedian who did a show called uh, "Are You Dave Gorman?" I think it was called, where he literally went around and just found people called Dave Gorman and met them and wrote a show about that. He used to do all these ridiculous shows. He would do the sort of thing of going, "Right, this is the new show. I'm going to find all those people and we're going to get them to the Athenaeum Theatre in Melbourne, which was at least the place we had it the year before, and we're going to yeah. recreate that day." And we're going to finally have our shot at it. Well, I love the idea that even though this guy is saying, look, there was shenanigans happening. If we went to Theatre Sports Australia and they said, look, um, you know, we've got conflicting reports here. Other judges there say, you know, know that the right team won definitely on the day. The only way to settle this is to retry, uh, is to redo the final round. I think that would be amazing and fair, to be honest, because look, not disregarding AA, but, you know, it's just one point of view. And if there's, it's an, there's enough evidence and he's got to put enough detail in here that it makes me think he could be telling the truth. So unless we can have, like, concrete evidence refute it, I think that the only possible solution is to redo the final. Would you be up for it? Yeah, absolutely. But only if we could get the entire audience who are there because I need to recreate the uncomfortable shifting in the seats because I feel like without that, <laughs> yes. it's not a legitimate yeah. experience. yeah. Exactly. You have to recreate. Like it's like a science experiment. You have to recreate the exact same conditions. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, it could be an advantage. If, if he doesn't hear the audience shifting uncomfortably, maybe he comes out and just busts rhymes like Eminem. 
<laughs> All right. So, um, okay. What, what other information? Oh, here's the name of the celebrity judge. I can't even. Now, I can't even think of who it would would have been to be honest. Well, now the reason I think he brings up the celebrity judge is because when we clearly had this discussion on the old episode, we were talking about theatre sports experience because I had a not a theatre sports experience, but a high school theatre experience with the same celebrity judge, where the same shenanigans took place. So. Look, I don't know if this is what he is suggesting, but when I found out the name of this judge, it made me think of my story, which we can get into once I reveal the name of that judge is Siobhan Chuk. Sketch comedian, right? She was in, like, comedy company? The, the, as, uh, as, as I seem to recall, the only comedy company cast member who didn't have a recurring character. <laughs> or a recurring career. Uh, <laughs> oh! oh, oh, oh old wounds run deep. I'm the bad guy? <laughs> Okay, so I'm sure I've told this story before, but it's probably very early in the episodes. But my story was in year 10, they had a play competition at my high school. So for every different house had to write and put on this show. And I put on this show, which I thought was this really, you know, a biting kind of social satire about, you know, um, the environment and, uh, you know, um, the sham of therapy and, and, and pop psychology and stuff. And uh, it starred a, a comedian, a young, a young Lawrence Lung. He uh, he played an FBI agent in it. Um, I mean, yeah, I love I the diversity remember. of your casting, even at that age, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. And I remember feeling really good about how it went. And the other players that got up were all rubbish because generally at my high school, because it was pretty much a sport high school, dudes only did drama because it was a great way to slack off. Like they didn't actually give a shit about learning how to act or learning improv games or anything. They just wanted to run around and kick each other in the ass and do what boys do at a boys' school, right? So all the other shows were just literally dudes getting up in their undies and, like, dancing to ACDC and just, like, dumb kind of, like, bogany kind of performances. But mine had heart, Will. Like, I, I was like a young Neil Simon, <laughs> like, sitting there, sweating over everywhere. And so when all the players had been up, I was convinced we were going to win because... Literally, mine was the only one that was a play that had like, you know, a, a narrative and the acting was pretty good and people laughed. So um, Siobhan gets up and she gives her notes and the opening scene of my play was a guy who's seeing a doctor, seeing a psychologist because he's so anxious about where the planet's heading environmentally, like, you know, we're destroying forests and there's a hole in the ozone layer. Actually, it's quite topical. I should dust it off and <laughs> I mean, really nothing's changed in like 28, 22 years. And so as the joke of it being that this, um, this guy is telling him his fears, but the doctor is just like counting his cash. Like he's just asking him to keep going because he knows he's getting paid by the hour, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. So when Siobhan gives her notes on my play, she was like, mm, the opening scene's a bit unbelievable because the psychologist's job is that he's just meant to listen. Psychologists don't actually talk that much when you get therapy. It's your job just to talk. And I'm like, Yeah. That's the point. <laughs> like, uh, that, was, that was the joke because the psychologist was talking and not letting him, uh, just uh, dismissing all his fears. That was, that's, it's satire. Do you get it, Siobhan Chuk? <laughs> and so we didn't win. Like, we didn't win. Like, I can't remember what, I think some kid came out and lip synced to a, like a, a George Michael song or something and he, and he won. So I'm fucking convinced that Siobhan Chuk, like, I don't know, maybe she has it in for future podcasters. Maybe she's a time traveler. Well, maybe she brought us together. Maybe that's, yes. know, she's kind of more like our Rufus to our Bill and Ted. Maybe she's right. been like the guiding force. Maybe the reason that Siobhan Chuk uh, never really kind of disappeared from people knowing who she is, is that maybe she's disappeared 
from our society altogether because Holy Highway to Heaven style, she's like, shit. she was sent back as some sort of time traveler or some quantum leap or some sort of, whatever you want to believe, yeah. it was never explained. But Siobhan Chuk, I mean, even when you say the name now, it doesn't sound like a name of a real human being. And she's gone around no. high schools. Like, I mean, listen to yeah. this. This is all completely like the plot of something that is completely made up. She's a minor character on a popular TV show who goes on the celebrity theatre judging circuit. But what she's really doing is inspiring these young creative minds by putting a bit right. of grit in there to kind of make the diamond. You know, she's the person, she's a hurdle that you had to overcome. She's the person who pushes you in the direction that you needed to be pushed in. Yes, 100%. I'm just bringing up Siobhan Chuk on IMDb. She's got a bio on IMDb. I mean, isn't it All amazing right? that like the two of us, it turns out, who did not know each other at that stage and would not know each other for like nearly another like 15 years or like, you know, 20 years, uh, yeah. were both completely ripped off as teenagers by Siobhan Chuk. <laughs> I mean, it is unusual and you're right. It does have a name that sounds made up. Like literally her entry is two lines. There's no Wikipedia entry on IMDb. It says Siobhan Chuk was born in Australia in 1961. We can all say that. She's known for her work on paperback romance. Never heard of it. Bringing our stories home. Never heard of it. And epiphany. Never heard of it. These are like, these these don't exist. This is like the Mandela effect. You Maybe there is no Siobhan Chuk. We imagined what, her. What if we went back, like we both suddenly discovered this, right? We're like, hang on. And we start bringing up Siobhan Chuk with other people and other people are like, what are you talking about, Siobhan Chuk? And then we go, she was in the comedy company. And they were like, well, what character did you play? And she was, we were like, no, no, no. She was the only person in the comedy company who didn't have a regular character. And people are just staring at us like, why would they have a character on the comedy company who didn't have a regular character? And then we go back and we watch the comedy company and there's and no Siobhan Chuk. I mean, okay, yeah. I mean, because I actually watched the comedy company religiously when it, the first like two years it was on. And if I had to name one sketch I remember her being in, yeah. I couldn't. No. Like, there's Con the Fruiterer, Colin Carpenter, Ian McFadden and Marion Fay, the couple in bed. There's uh, Gilbo the Postie. There's uh, Elizabeth. There's Kylie Mole. Like, there's fucking heaps. Pete Rosethorn was Indiana Jones at the start. Like, I remember all these guys. I don't Colin remember. Colin Carpenter, Siobhan all right. Kim Gindrell. I can literally remember yeah. everyone in the comedy company, but when I try to imagine Siobhan Chuk right now, it's like, did you watch the most recent series of Black Mirror? You know, uh, I've seen the first four episodes. Okay. Which episode? Yeah, I think this was in the first four. So the one where the kids got the guard on the brain. So when they see anything yeah, disturbing, yeah, yeah. they actually just yeah. see a pixelated out thing so that she doesn't see the barking dog or any danger and those sort of things. Yeah. Oh, I feel like I've got yeah. that in my head about Siobhan Chuk. Because as I try to think yeah. of her, I can't picture her. I'm just getting pixels. <laughs> You've got a chook blocker installed in your brain. Right. I'm just going to look up on YouTube the comedy company opening credits. Because do you remember the opening credits was each of the uh, cast members like in a, you know, as a character, there's like a Superman and there's like a, you know, film noir. Like they're just sort of spoofing different kind of movie type characters. Do you remember that? No. Oh, okay, hang on. Let me look it up. Comedy company... Because I remember Pete Rosethorn did a spoof of kind of like Indiana Jones. Um, well, Ian McFadden, did he do David Rabbit, Rabbit Borough? Yes. Yes, he did. Okay, here we go. Oh, here we go. He, the, right. Mike Hell sent an image of the comedy company here. Let's me have a look uh, I'm just, Okay, I'm just, I'll just send you this link. This is the link to uh, 
the opening credits, we can watch them together and see what we think of Siobhan Chuk. Hang on one sec. Okay. Just got to copy it and put it in the Skype window. Which one's Siobhan Chuk? Oh, yeah, she's the redhead, short redhead. Uh, oh, down uh, on this photo, she's down the front, and she's oh yeah okay. So you've got Russell Gilbert, you've got Mark Mitchell, Pete Rosethorn, uh, Marianne Fay, um, uh, Kim Gingell, Glenn Robbins. Uh, what's the name of the other woman who's there? I don't know. She's not the one remember. who directs all the comedy now, is she? Is that who that Vicky is? Vicky Blanche. Oh, is that no, who it's that not Vicky Blanche. Okay. I don't know. Christy or something? Uh, I don't know. But Siobhan Chuk looks like I remember. Short redhead. Yeah. Okay. Like a little and bob then haircut. Siobhan, you know what? Now that I see her, now that I see her, I can kind of remember <laughs> her. But again, doesn't she look like the sort of person who might, you know, she looks like the sort of person who is pleasantly you know, attractive and lovely, but would blend into any crowd. Like she'd be the perfect person to be a time traveler adjusting people's lives because she's... Yeah, she doesn't she, stand out. She doesn't stand out. She'd fit in anywhere, I think. Yeah, she's the... Yeah, she's like... It's like James Cameron's original intention for The Terminator was not to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's going to cast Lance Henriksen because he wanted The Terminator to be an infiltration device and needed to blend in perfectly. She is a Tukinator. She's the Tukinator. <laughs> All right, have you got that link to YouTube? Just click on it. I'm not sure. If, can I play it for both of us? Or? Okay, I'm no. going to... Oh, hang on, it's, it's, I'm on YouTube now. Hang on. All right. Um, yeah, it's playing just, well, for me. Okay. Yeah. All right. The Comedy Company. Um, yep. And, oh, I'm getting some sort of piano music. Yeah, uh, me too. Mark Mitchell. Opening titles. And Faye. Wow, God, this is so bad. Ian McFadden. So Mark Mitchell. Glenn Robbins. Savon Chook. And she's eating something. Ah, uh, I still don't remember that scene. I kind of, but then having said that, I don't re remember the other ones either. Those opening credits are not the ones that I, I remember in my head. Uh, no, but there you go. That's, uh, well, that's pretty amazing that Siobhan Chook has... Uh, I mean, I hope she's okay. Like, I mean, I don't have bad feel. Here's what I would say is, I feel like it's all worked mm. out okay. And uh, I yeah. have no hard feelings against Siobhan Chuk. And I, I tend to look at it as a positive. I tend to look at the, at the idea of going, you know what? Maybe we both needed a, a critical eye back then. Maybe we needed somebody who looked at our bullshit and said, you know, I'm Siobhan Chuk and I do not <laughs> accept this nonsense. She uh, appears to be working still. I think she's a director now. Judging okay. from her IMDb credits, she directed an episode of a TV series last year. She acted for a little while. Comedy Company was her second job. She did another TV show called While You're Down There. <laughs> oh, shut up. Are you, are you kidding me? While You're Down There. Yeah. I, I, and again, she's listed as playing various characters. This had a cast of other Australian comedians, pioneering Australian comedians. It was... Oh. Name, name them. Richard Stubbs. Great. Gina Riley. Okay, great. Glenn, Glenn Robbins. Great. Mark Neal. Oh, yeah, okay, Mark Neal. Yeah, sure. John Alsop. Hmm. No. Ian Catchlove. Hmm. Tom Gleisner. Oh, yeah, okay, Tommy G. Greg Ham. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know Greg. And Russ Hannaford. Oh yeah, Ross Hannaford. Okay, so there's a few recognisable I names. I do in there. not. 
so I'm assuming that was a sketch comedy show. 1986 that came out. I don't remember that at all. That no. must have been uh, pre. Would that be pre Gen? Must have been. I mean, if it's got Tommy Gleisner in it, I imagine it's pre Gen, right? Because I can't imagine that he went off to do solo stuff afterwards. No, no. And then after she did that, she did Comedy Company and then she did The Newlyweds. Do you remember that series? Oh, I do. That chick from Neighbours, what was her name? So Annie Jones. Madge. Remember her? Plain Jane. Uh, Annie Jones, Plain... yeah. <laughs> do. do you remember Annie Jones? Pla Plain Jane Superbrain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so she did that and then now she's a director. So well done, Siobhan Tuke. Told me I'd never amount to anything. Or me. Well, I've got to... Listen to this fucking podcast, Siobhan Chu. Look at this podcast. <laughs> you know what would podcast. be amazing? If next week we get a letter, Siobhan, if you're listening, you send it to uh, email, to email tofop at gmail in the subject line, write, hey, tofop. Wouldn't it be great if she sent us an email and she just critiqued this podcast? Hey, tofop. <laughs> I regret nothing. In fact, listening to this podcast has only certain in my mind that I'm right and the Australian entertainment industry is incorrect. Ah, oh, good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> like, it's great when the listeners... If that sounds like a really weird reaction that Charlie just had is because we made it 53 minutes in without the, uh, the internet cutting out, which is pretty good. And it actually reminded me of the story I meant to tell you at the start about my teacher who made us hold up the chairs, which was one day I was in science class mm. and uh, we were doing something on the Bunsen burner and I had the Bunsen burner, like the little uh, science-y thing, the Breaking Bad... Bunsen burner. Oh, the beaker. Glass thing. The beaker. Thank you. <laughs> the beaker. And I had it in like um, some tongs mm. and I uh, like started waving it around and I said the words flirting with danger. And as I hit the R in danger, it flew out of my hands <laughs> and smashed on the floor of the science lab. And I had to hold that chair up for a very long <laughs> time. And I remember that, uh, but it's nothing compared to the pain that Siobhan Chute caused me. <laughs> Uh, so guys, if you want to, um, if you want us to talk about something on the show or you've got any anecdotes, uh, like good that, letter. cause that was a By real good way, letter as a start. Yeah. I mean, as a starting point, if every week, uh, could be as good as that, if every week it could be somebody revealing something about our childhood. That was forgotten. <laughs> well, I think actually there is a dude I met after one of our, our live shows, um, who I went to primary school with, who was a big fan of this show. And so he listens. So. If you're out there, mate, uh, Daniel, I believe, if you can remember anything about me in high school that doesn't involve me like uh, uh, doing anything wrong or illegal, write in. Let us know. In fact, you know what? If it's wrong or illegal, write in and let me know. Because we, you know, we've had enough time to pass since then. I haven't been in primary school for at least 35 years. Well, not my own one anyway. <laughs> I've been in other primary schools until the police told me to stop. Can I ask you this, Charlie? Uh, there isn't any indication in that letter of who was in my team is there because no, i imagine no it was names my friend mentioned. peter shepherd shep who you've met but i just can't remember who know, the rest of monolithic epicureanism would have been well if there's anyone out there who can uh, fill out the roster for monolithic epicureanism let us know email tofop at gmail.com put in the subject line hey tofop uh you got shows to plug yeah, I do. I um, uh, By the time people hear this, the next thing I'm doing is the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. It starts on Wednesday night. So Wednesday and Thursday are cheaper previews. Um, 
the tip I always say is that they're, they're preview prices, but obviously I've already done the show in Adelaide and Brisbane. So uh, if you like a cheaper ticket, but you still want to see the same show, uh, Wednesday or Thursday next week, but there's only a handful of tickets left to both. And then uh, four weeks in Melbourne, uh, Wednesday through Sunday, come and see the show. I'm really proud of it. Um, after that, uh, Perth, Canberra, Sydney, all on sale at the moment, and there'll be some other ones. Um, and just a little bit of a shout out to the, the Meltdown uh, Room, uh, Nerd Melt, uh, comic book shop and uh, comedy venue. Uh, many people who listen to this podcast know I did the 200th faux fop there. Um, I've done my live shows there when I've gone and done my like you know uh, full length shows in LA. Um, set list and uh, the meltdown show with Kamal and Jonah and it was a real uh, home of comedy for me when I first moved to the US and a great community who embraced me and my work and that is shutting which is just a bit sad so I wanted to to at least mention that yeah I'll pour I'll pour out a 40 ounce on the footpath outside for you could you go and um, see if, like, they're probably shutting down because it's hard to run a comic book shop and, like, you know, pay rent on fucking Sunset. But that, I'm still owed a few free comic books <laughs> because I used to pay you for gigs in free comic books. Oh, really? And I haven't cashed all mine out. So if there's any chance you want to go down there and pretend you're me and <laughs> cash out my free comic books, that'd be really good. <laughs> Will do. Uh, you can go to the, our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash TOFOP. Uh, if you want to support the show, any amount helps. There's some free bonus content up there. There is some uh, premium content if you want to pay a little more. Uh, we're on Facebook uh, and Twitter. You can also listen to our other podcast, Two Guys, One Cup, as we mentioned earlier, is now back for season 2018. It's a long one. I mean, almost two hours of content. So, you know, if you don't know that you like AFL, then maybe give this uh, this program a listen because although it is about AFL, it's a lot like this show. Yeah, and if you think you don't know enough about the players' names or the names of the team or what's going on, then you're in good company. That's what I would suggest. It's two hours and 15 minutes long. I reckon it's about 35 minutes of actual content. But anyway, <laughs> quantity. That's what we bring you on to, guys, one cup. And uh, my other podcast, Willosophy, is coming back for a new season. So uh, as of next week. So the first episode is with uh, uh, Samantha Lane, who is a, a sports uh, footy journalist, sports journalist. It's a really fun episode. And then the week after, Hamish Blake, who, um, you know, uh, is very well known to Australians and uh, you know, probably pretty well known overseas as well. Hamish is pretty famous and he was awesome. And uh, so he's on the podcast too. So that's all uh, coming out soon. And you can find all our podcasts, of course, at tofop.com. All right, that's it. I'm Charlie Clawson. Oh, fuck. I'm Will Anderson. I did it at the <laughs> yeah, end. You did it at the I end this time. at the start. And then I did it at the end. Will I just flipped it. Will, Will it. just took a big mouthful of water just as we're doing the sign off. Should we try that again? Yeah. I'm Charlie Clawson. Yeah, let's do it again. Oh, fuck. Oh, sorry. No, Third time's a charm. All right, stop. Ready? I'll count myself in. I'm Charlie Clawson. <laughs> you fucking prick. I'm going to answer. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. It's not optional. You have to do it. <laughs> we used to go easy on it, but now you have to. Yeah. Yeah.